Hello and welcome to the IBMS Biopods. Biopods. I'm Rob. And this is Becca. These Biopods will give you an insight into Congress with exclusive interviews, behind the scenes chit chat, and maybe even a drop of science. So put down your pets, move away from the microscope, and get ready for a Biopod, Biopod deep dive. Welcome to our first ever IBMS podcast. In this series, we'll be talking to the experts who delivered sessions at IBMS Congress discussing their specialist subjects and the wider issues within the biomedical sector. This will be followed by a quick fire round in our regular feature, underrated, overrated or correctly rated. This episode covers the rapidly emerging field of point of care testing. So let's jump straight in with our first speaker, Dr. Sarah Glover. Hello, we are with Sarah Glover. We are currently recording for the IBMS Biopods. Welcome, Sarah. Hello. Would you like to give us a quick introduction to who you are, what you do, and what you're about? Hi, I'm um, Dr. Sarah Glover. So I'm a consultant clinical biochemist. Um, I work at Harrogate and District NHS Foundation Trusts. And one of my roles within that um, position is clinical lead for point of care testing for the trust um, and the point of care testing within the community as well. So Sarah, today at IBMS Congress, you're chairing the point of care testing stream and it's the first time there's ever been one. Tell us about how that's happened, why it's come about and how it's gone so far today. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited, honoured to have been asked to chair the session um, and really excited that we've had a whole day on point of care here at Congress. Um, So previously we have had individual sessions, which I think have been well attended and point of care is a a discipline which is growing and growing and that's only ever going to be the way forward it's becoming bigger and bigger as it grows within hospitals within acute services and within the community Um, one of the um, things that I'm involved with at the moment is developing um, a qualification with the IBMS for point of care testing and as part of that working group um, we decided that we needed to dedicate a whole day's program at Congress um, for point of care testing because there are just so many interesting topics and speakers coming through at the moment. So as part of that working group, one of our remits was to develop the programme for today and to create um, a a programme which was varied in terms of point of care delivery, how point of care fits with um, the wider NHS picture and future developments within point of care as well. And how popular has it been today? It looks, uh, there have been some quite packed sessions, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. So it's always difficult to know, sort of with a new session, how many people are going to turn up for this. But the room we've been in has been full most of the morning. Lots of people have been coming through and it's been standing room um, for much of the time. So um, so it's been. it looks like it's been really successful as well. The audience have been really engaged with the topics. So hopefully that will reflect throughout the afternoon and, and going forward for future sessions as well. And is this popularity because it's such a growing area? Is it because people are unsure about aspects of it? Is it because people want to specialise and move into it? Why do you think it's been so popular and such interest? I think you've probably covered various aspects, actually. So it is a growing area. There are more and more point-of-care devices coming on the market all of the time. There's more and more point-of-care tests. Traditionally, it was very much a biochemistry-dominated area. That's now expanding much beyond biochemistry into haematology, microbiology. Um, Other disciplines are beginning to become aware that point of care can play a role within their services. It's growing beyond acute services out into the community. People are beginning to realise how point of care can develop to promote services closer to patients within outpatient clinics, community settings, patients' own homes even. And I think as 
people are becoming aware that it's a growing area. They want to learn more about it. They want to learn about how point of care can um, be used for patient benefit, for the NHS benefit, how to make efficiency savings. Um, so I, I think generally there is, there is a lot of interest. There's a lot to learn. Um, and it's a, a service that's growing very rapidly. And tra traditionally, there have been barriers in place within the NHS. The lab is very much separate from patient-facing uh, members of staff. Do, do you feel that those barriers are being broken down or, or dissolved at the moment? Um, you're absolutely right that traditionally sort of the laboratory is often seen as sort of the ivory tower um, and people don't really have access to the laboratory and possibly don't really understand the processes. Point of care testing very much brings that um, laboratory testing out to the patient and out within the hospital. And where um, laboratory scientists are running point of care services, they are very much engaging with users um, to, to be out there and to provide a face for the laboratory and to provide a face for point of care services um, and to engage users with, with how we can help them. So how we can develop services which fit with their patients, which will help their patient pathways, will optimise um, patient experience and it's becoming much more of a, a two-way dialogue um, rather than the laboratory being seen as something which is behind closed doors. And, and do, do people find that transition quite tricky? In, the, in my job I don't speak to many members of the public on a day-to-day -day basis. If, I, if that suddenly changed and I had to, I don't know if I'd be very good at it. I think the way the point of care has developed is that people who traditionally have worked within the laboratory who have been sort of people people who, who want to get out there and talk with people and enjoy working with people, enjoy working um, with clinicians, with healthcare assistants, even with patients to some extent, have naturally sort of progressed into point of care roles. Um, and I think it, it's those laboratory staff um, who are becoming more and more interested in that area. Is there any issue with people thinking this is kind of biomedical scientists losing their identity or is this seen as an added thing that biomedical scientists are able to do? I think it's very much seen as, a, as an added thing that biomedical scientists um, can do. Um, and I think that's been reflected by the interest in the qualification that we're developing. Um, so that is very much about um, providing a formal qualification, but also providing people with a means to make a stepping stone into point of care testing, um, where previously it may have been quite difficult to make that transition from the laboratory into point of care testing. So in some ways that's sort of facilitating um, that transition. Um, I think there will always be biomedical scientists who hearts are rooted within the laboratory um, but then on the other hand there are people who have very um, different skill sets um, who are very very adept at delivering point of care services out there in the, the bigger the bigger trust itself and if there was one point of care test you could have if you could just pick one and be like there is now a point of care test for this or that point of care test before that's a really tricky question actually probably something to enable A&E to make really quick decisions about whether or not to send people home or not. Mm. Uh, it's probably actually a test that doesn't exist at the moment, uh, maybe even one that doesn't exist within the laboratory, um, but it, it would probably be one single test that you could do within a couple of minutes where you could say, absolutely, this patient doesn't need to be in A&E, um, we we we're safe to send them home, um, and therefore that would save a huge amount of, of resources and time. Um, in lowering the risk of patients that are potentially pushed through the hospital system. Um, 
because they are at risk and we don't we can't say for certain that they wouldn't be at risk if we sent them home or not. And are there any trends that you can see over the, the next kind of coming couple of years in points of care testing, specific areas it's going to move into? Certainly one of the really hot topics at the moment is flu testing. Um, we're already there and that, that's being rolled out within lots and lots of trusts. Um, I can see that my, microbiology are probably going to take point of care testing on board much more um, to try and make quicker decisions about antibiotic um, treatment or about whether people can start antibiotics. Um, I think it's going to expand much more across the disciplines and microbiology is probably the biggest area. Um, again, around um, antibiotic um, resistance, CRP testing is another thing which it's, it's a nice recommendation at the moment, it's very slow to come off the ground um, but there are significant cost savings and patient benefits um, which are there. Um, it just needs to be realised and putting it into practice but that, that, that's coming for certain. And if there's a microbiologist sat at home listening to this thinking, mm, I'd, I'd quite like to get into this a bit more, but I'm not sure, what would you say? How would you encourage people to get more involved in points of care testing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you've got a point of care testing team within your hospital, maybe it's just one person, maybe it's a small team, maybe it's a big team, go along to them, find out who they are, um, talk to them, and talk to them about what they do, what point of care services we've currently got, how it can benefit the patient, how it can benefit services. Um, talk to people um, within the hospital who maybe, who maybe use point of care testing, um, how they see it as a benefit, um, and, and have a read as well. Um, there's, there's lots and lots of publications about point of care testing, there's lots of papers being published um, about new tests being developed and how that can be used clinically. Um, so get yourself into some journals and, and have a read. But probably the biggest thing is to go out there and, and find someone within your trust who runs a point of care. Um, or maybe even if you haven't got anything within your trust, go and find a neighbouring trust. Go and, go and speak to the people who are delivering it at the moment. Brilliant advice. I'm going to pass you over to Becca for the quick fire round. So we're going to put you on the spot um, and we're going to kick off with what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice I've ever received would probably be that's a really tricky one actually you've got me there <laughs> i'll let you think about that one okay you might come back, we'll come to, back to that do you have a science hero a science hero probably florence nightingale yeah. for obvious reasons yes. okay that's good um can you describe your job in three words varied challenging exciting perfect um, do you have a favorite piece of lab equipment a glucose meter okay. do you have a favorite pathogen Ooh, a favourite pathogen. Coming from biochemistry, pathogens isn't really my thing. I've got some really pretty ones posted up on my wall at the lab <laughs> back home. Probably flu. Okay, we'll go with flu. Um, I'm not very good at this quick fire thing. <laughs> That's all right. Um, and what is your favourite thing about Congress? The ability to learn more and, and, and networking as well. So, so many people within a small space that you can really network and, yeah. and develop. Okay, for the final round, we have overrated, underrated, or correctly rated. So firstly, team building exercises. Overrated, underrated, or correctly rated? Correctly rated. Are they rated well? Um, depends what your exercise is. <laughs> I think they, they definitely have a place. So I, I think it very much depends on, on what it is, but they certainly have their value. Brilliant. Uh, lab coats. Underrated. Underrated, a vital piece of equipment though. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Socialising with colleagues. Underrated. Yeah. Um, 
those little messages that you write in birthday and leaving cards at work? Uh, overrated. And have you got a standard message you go for? No. All the best. Good luck in the future. Good luck's always a good one, yeah. regardless of what it's for. Leaving, baby, <laughs> wedding. The multifunctional message. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, using social media to promote the workplace. Underrated. And finally, night shifts. Well, they're absolutely essential. Um, depends who you are, I guess. <laughs> uh, what, what, what do you think of them? Have you had much experience in night um, shifts? I've done a couple of night shifts, um, voluntarily, I'll add, um, <laughs> to gain experience of them. They're, I can't say that I know anyone who enjoys them, um, but they're an essential component of the services that we provide. Brilliant. Um, so, it's essential. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Sarah. You're very welcome. So, thanks to Sarah Glover. Now, on to our next interviewee, Lee Peters. Well, afternoon now. We are here with Lee Peters. Lee, welcome to the IBMS Biopod. Um, Thank you. Excellent. Do you want to give us a few little words about who you are, what you do, and what you're about? Okay, so my name's Lee. I currently work as a section manager in Swansea Bay Health Board. Uh, background, I've done a lot of uh, work in point of care testing, and I'm currently uh, doing a professional doctorate in point of care education for laboratory staff. Uh, and I'm also involved with the new IBMS point of care qualification. I'm sure all of our listeners know what point of care testing is, um, but do you want to give us just kind of a rough, quick outline of, of where we're at with it, what's happened over the last few years, and what's happening with point of care testing at the moment? Yeah, sure. So point of care testing, as I'm sure everyone knows, is the testing of uh, using usually handheld devices or small analyzers to test for pathology tests at the point of care or near patient. Uh, and that's why it's sometimes called point of care testing or near patient testing. The scope of POCT has increased dramatically. It's not just a few small analyzers or, uh, anymore, it's, uh, and it's not just traditional uh, tests anymore, like uh, blood glucose or blood gases. We're now starting to move into the market of things like flus, virus, uh, HIV, hepatitis, which is probably where the biggest growth is at the moment. And what's driving that change? The, uh, at different governments, uh, obviously I come from Wales, so we have the Welsh Assembly Government, but uh, also NHS England, they're trying to drive more and more testing into the community. So obviously, bringing patients into the hospital to have their bloods taken, waiting for the results, then go back to the GPs or to, to community clinics, whereas POCT, in theory at least, allows the patient to basically go to their clinic, have the test done, and a set time later, the result will be there and acted on by the pharmacist, the GP, the specialist. So, basically improved turnaround times. And is it an area that's going to continue to growth or is there kind of a ceiling where there's only so much point of care testing you can do? <clears throat> there's a long way to reach that ceiling. I think there are some tests that will be problematic to be done at point of care, but at the moment, the growth, you know, we're talking billions of, of, of pounds and increasing, to be honest with you, so across, worldwide. Uh, so more and more tests are actually being added to the point of care repertoire. You know, we're looking at the exhibition here and you'll notice that stands will offer centralised laboratory uh, products, but also point of care products. And throughout Congress uh, this year, you can see a slight increase in the amount of point of care products being displayed. And is the ultimate aim, do you think, to improve patient care or is it to save money or is it to do both? Both, because 
again, by pushing services out of the hospitals, you're not you're reducing demand on places like A&E or the outpatients departments and pushing them to the, the clinics. That in theory will save money because, you know, sort of a model of you go to your GP to have a get a request form for bloods. You then go to the hospital to get the bloods taken. You then book an appointment with your GP a week or two later to then get your results. Whereas if you, of course, just go to your GP, they may just say, take this to the practice nurse or, or, or to a, someone else in the practice and say, just get the bloods done and then come back an hour later, depending on what it is. And also, if you're looking at, as I mentioned earlier, about flu viruses, that's about managing demand in peak, uh, like Christmas times and uh, over the winter period where there's a, a peak of uh, user demand. If you could then say, right, go and have this blood test now, or sorry, a swab test, see if you have the flu. If they're negative, they just go home. Uh, whereas if they have, then they can, so they only treat the patients that are required, not mm. the whole thing. And what are the point of care facilities like at your hospital? What, what's, uh, what have you got in place? <clears throat> So I'm quite lucky. I, uh, my uh, health board is very proactive with point of care. So we have a, a large amount of point of care, although it is still growing. So throughout my career, I've been quite lucky to be uh, to have exposure to a wide variety of, of point of care. Other health boards and trusts, not so much, but it's growing everywhere. So it's uh, yeah. And any any kind of problems or issues with implementation? Obviously, bringing anything new into the workplace is always going to cause some kind of issues. What are the major barriers that you've faced and how have you overcome those? Money is obviously <laughs> because, <laughs> as, as with everything with healthcare. So one of the issues that tends to be is that point of care testing is more expensive than central laboratory. But what you have to take into account is that because of uh, reduced stay or quicker turnaround times, there are savings elsewhere in the system. But of course, sometimes convincing finance managers to say we're going to spend X amount here but someone down the line is going to save money that can be problematic yeah, of course. there's been improved uh, connectivity so the devices that the more modern devices now just be uh, linked up to the patient record so when you do a point of care test they go straight to the patient record that isn't always the case and trying to convince again finance to spend the money on connecting up the device that can be a problem but it's all about showing the benefit to the patient and convincing them there will be savings, but it just may be in another directorate or further up the pathway. And you've been involved in the new IBMS qualification. How, how, how did that come about? Was it just a feeling there was a, a demand and a need for it? There's been quite a, there's been calls for a point of care qualification for quite some time. And I think it's always been sort of bubbling on the surface. But uh, recently, because of the scope and the increase in use and also the increase in demand on pathology time in point of care, it was felt that uh, a POCT qualification was actually required. So about just over a year ago, uh, the IBMS called a few of us together and we met up and we discussed what we felt were the gaps in knowledge uh, for pathology staff, for biomedical scientists. And we basically then designed a series of uh, modules that would hopefully meet that gap. Who is this, who's it aimed at? So our primary audience uh, will be at uh, either at st uh, biomedical scientists uh, new into post in point of care or those staff aspiring to go into POCT. It's, it, 
it's basically designed to improve people's knowledge, but but it's not really aimed at the people that have been doing it for okay. years and years. So it's, it's, it's mainly after those aspiring or very new to the post. And people who are listening to this thinking, great, that sounds like me. When can they do this qualification? So the pilot will be launched in January next year. So we're probably thinking that the first pilot, sorry, the first intake will be limited. But after that, it'll be like the other certificate of expert practice online. So we, the ones in training, quality, leadership and management and molecular pathology. Uh, they'll be limited to about 60 then. But uh, so hopefully we'll be releasing more information very, very soon. Excellent. So we've got some quick fire questions for you. Put you on the spot a bit. Excellent. So I think we will kick off with, do you have a favorite pathogen? <laughs> uh, Having a biochemistry, being a biochemistry BMS, uh, I haven't really thought about that. I'm married to a microbiologist, so she's probably going to be super annoyed that I don't have a favourite <laughs> pathogen. So uh, off the top of my head, no, I don't, That's sorry. Fine. Can you describe your job in three words? Challenging, frustrating, rewarding. Lovely. Nice journey there. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? My previous manager actually said after I, I had an interview, I was unsuccessful, and the advice he sort of gave was that you just need to just accept the result. Obviously, you have to accept it, but not to dwell on it and just basically learn the lessons and move on. Yes, excellent advice. Uh, do you have a science hero? Probably not. I think, again, throughout my education, there's been people I've admired, you know, people that I've worked with that have really helped me grow. But no one that I've sort of gone, wow. Oh, you stuck at. up on your wall. Uh, no, 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 I've never stuck up a scientist on my wall. That's what I'm wrong with that. But, yeah. Do you have um, a favourite piece of lab equipment? Uh, my favourite piece of lab equipment is one that don't break down. Uh, because, again, working in chemistry, they consistently break down and it's they're almost spiteful. It's always at a busy time. Anyway, yeah. And finally, what is your favourite thing about Congress? The, how the, the sharing to be honest of ideas and it's quite laboratories can be so insular in the way that we look and it's quite nice to actually see that the problems that we have are shared by everyone and also sometimes you feel oh you know we're not doing this right or oh, we could be doing this better but sometimes we come here and it's like oh do you know what we're actually really good at what we do and it's I think sometimes it's actually good to show that we actually know what we're doing not necessarily we all know what we're doing but when we're talking to others then, it's like, yes. It's almost like a validation then, essentially. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great. Okay, Lee, now we have the overrated, underrated, correctly rated round. <coughs> so we'll kick off with team building exercises. Overrated, underrated, overrated, overrated. Overrated, definitely. And why is that? I, thi I think that it's obviously a managerial tool. And, and when I say overrated, I, I think sometimes they can be useful, but I think it's such a go-to thing. Oh, you know, you must do this. I think sometimes people do it without actually thinking about what the outcome will be. And it's just like, oh yes, we'll go on this and it'll, it'll definitely bring us all together. Well, not necessarily, you've got to think of sometimes the underlying causes yeah. of that. Um, lab coats. <laughs> My wife is a health and safety uh, manager, so underrated, because they're obviously, they're so vital and uh, everyone must wear them every single time. A very good tactical answer. Right? Yes. <laughs> um, Socialising with colleagues. Underrated, actually. I think that sometimes I get. We I come from quite a social lab, so it can be. I think 
that's probably better than team building, sort of going into the countryside and running around. It's sometimes just going for a meal or, you know, you don't have to be best friends with everyone, but again, the laboratory working has a, is a friendly environment, and I think that's, so that's important. Brilliant. Um, the little messages that you write in birthday cards and leaving cards at work. <laughs> Who thinks of these? <laughs> um, <laughs> is, okay, uh, right. I th we have, every time someone leaves or every time there's a birthday, a card comes around the lab and you're always trying to think of something unique and then you're looking around, you're like, it's not unique. And so sometimes it can be general. So I think they're probably a bit overrated, so honestly. Uh, social media in the workplace, as in to promote the workplace? Oh, to promote it, uh, underrated. I think that uh, obviously we can't use phones in the labs, that's important. But to actually promote the work that we're doing, Again, going back to the insular looking that I think laboratories can be, things like Twitter, things like Instagram can be used and also used educationally as well. People can actually learn from these. So. And the final one is night shifts. <sighs> My view now is that uh, they're vital, so they can't be overrated. I hate them, to be honest. When I was first qualified, I loved them. It would be like an extra day off work the next day. I could stay up all day, it'd be absolutely fine. Now, with two young kids, they'll probably kill me if I did them on a regular basis, so... <laughs> on that note, thank you very much, Lee. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And don't forget, this can be used for your CPD. See you next month for another Biopod. This is Becca. And Rob. Signing, signing off. off. Bye. Bye.